As we wrap up 2023, I know a lot of you are focused on health and what you want to do in the coming year to take care of you and put you and your well-being first. So for the final episode of the year, I'm sharing with you three useful resources that will focus on health as you go into 2024. So stick around to learn more. Welcome to The Grit Show, where our focus is growth on purpose. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez, and I'm honored to be part of this community as we journey together with our grit intact to learn more about how to thrive and how to get the most out of life. It means a lot that you are here today. As you listen, I encourage you to think of who may appreciate the tidbits of knowledge we are sharing and to take a moment to pass this along to them. Everyone appreciates the friend that thinks of them, and these conversations are meant to be shared and to spark even more connections. First, congrats. You survived the holiday season. Not always easy. We made it through Hanukkah and Christmas, and now we are looking forward to the new year. And this time in between when perhaps you have a house full, kids home from school, and a lot going on, but are hopefully taking time to rest and make this transition. So during this time, I want us to have a little bit of attention towards the new year and our health and well-being. I thought a lot about what I was going to do for this episode and if I might actually just do a revisiting of the best of 2023 and what we've learned throughout the last year. But I decided it might be a little simpler if we focused on health and perhaps just three previous episodes and three topics for us to look at and for us to focus on. So the first thing we're going to go back and look at is our episode on intermittent fasting with the fabulous Jen Stevens. It is the most listened to episode we've had on this podcast, on The Grit Show. At one time, it was actually triple the amount of listens of any other episode. I don't think it's quite that high currently, but it is a very well-listened to episode. Our conversation with Jen was fabulous. It was so useful. And personally, it actually made a big difference because having that conversation with her, listened to the entire book and bought the book for reference because she has a lot of great resources and more information and tables and charts and things you might want to look at and actually started utilizing what she shared and what I learned from talking to her and what I learned about from her book. The first thing I did was practice what she called a clean fast, which the thing that I need to practice from learning about what a clean fast was, was understanding this whole thing around drinking beverages. Because a lot of times when you think of fasting, you think of just not eating, but drinking whatever you want to be able to drink. And I've had friends that had lemonade and cayenne pepper diets. (laughs) That's what they drank when they were fasting and whatnot. But with a clean fast, the way that you know Jen Stevens has done her research around intermittent fasting, and the point was around raising blood sugar levels and not having anything that had taste that would do that, and learning that the sparkling waters that I drank that had no calories in them, the diet sodas a lot of people drank, that those could actually create spikes in glucose and that that could actually trigger hunger hormones and be part of what's causing these up and down crashes and all these other things. So for me, having beverages like club soda was the one I started drinking, which I actually really enjoy drinking club soda, club soda or seltzer waters with no flavoring 
or black tea, that was a hard one for me because I like my peppermint teas, my herbal teas, but having to have either green tea or black tea with nothing in it or for just plain coffee with nothing in it for people to drink that, like that shift was the first shift that I had to do. So I actually practiced that before I even worked on doing the eating window because I knew that was going to be the hardest thing for me when it came to actually adopting this way of eating, this way of taking care of my body, and this way of doing things. And part of what drew me to intermittent fasting, because I'd done, if you listen to the episode, I definitely had done some of the principles that were in that to lose weight in the past, but I was actually interested in doing something that was healthier for my body and healthier for me, and really found that the principles she talked about and the things for our body and the health around it was much more compelling for me and a reason to do it. So I practiced being able to have the beverages not be something that were causing me to yo-yo with my blood sugar levels and that that could kind of help me do things and stay in an eating window and adjust things accordingly. So that was the first thing I practiced for like a month before I even started doing the eating window part of intermittent fasting. It took some time. I did it the stepped way that she kind of teaches in her book and talked about on the podcast. And once I did that, my body is so much happier. And I'm not constantly put mindlessly putting food in my mouth and mindlessly snacking because that's been something that has been a challenge for me, I feel like. And that has been part of my problem is just like feeding hunger constantly and that my body, when I'm hungry, I had to eat something and my body could never lived off of stored fats or be able to function properly to to work in that way. And I almost feel like doing intermittent fasting or learning about what she teaches in fast, feast, repeat, and my body needed to be able to reset how it processed hunger hormones and how it knew when it needed to eat or not eat. And that this way of eating and this way of doing things, and I almost wish it was called like just having an eating window instead of intermittent fasting because that felt more like what I did, that it was the best thing for me, the best thing for me. And it has been great. I think the biggest advantage is that I don't get hangry. Like I'm somebody who did used to get hangry. Like when I needed food, I needed food immediately. And it's funny because I keep pistachios in my car for when I have long drives, but I don't have to have food. Like I'm not somebody who's like raging and has to go find food and has to stop what I'm doing because I need food. And I used to be like that. And it's funny because I thought that I was just that way and I was programmed to be that way. But it's like I taught my body to be that way because I was constantly putting food in my mouth and my body thought that it needed me to constantly put food into my mouth to be able to function and to operate. Instead of my body now, more stuff is stored fat and I'm not hungry all the time. And it's learned this because I went through this process and learned more about how to properly do intermittent fasting and how to eat within an eating window. And that has been probably the biggest benefit of doing it. And I think that's like the autophagy is what she talks about, that it does that where your body goes around and and figures out how to clean house because you aren't constantly putting food into your mouth. But it's also like... I'm just more regular in a lot of ways and my moods are more regular. I just feel like it's been so beneficial. And I used to get indigestion all the time and I don't get indigestion now. Things like that for my body feels like I'm healthier. There is the benefit that I've lost almost 20 pounds in the last year, which may not seem like a lot to folks. But again, I haven't really been dieting. I've just been found a way of eating that works well for me 
in a way that serves my body well, serves my mood well, serves my well-being well, and it's been fabulous for me. So it was a healthy lifestyle choice that has the side effect that it's gotten my body more stabilized and that consequently I've lost weight as a consequence to it. So if you're interested in learning more about this healthy lifestyle choice and seeing if it actually fits into your life. Because again, when I started, my partner and I started together and he decided it was not for him. He needs a high protein diet. He needs a whole different way of doing things for his well-being. He doesn't do well not eating for long periods. Whereas for me, my body likes this. And whenever I am under stress, visiting family, and I'm not following it regularly, I feel the difference. And interestingly, I also had an episode where I got to speak with somebody about intuitive eating. And I feel like I can do intuitive eating now that I've done intermittent fasting because I can listen to my body. And there's days that I do eat because I'm hungry in the mornings when I normally wouldn't because I can understand my body's signals now that I've actually cleansed my body from just putting food in my mouth all the time. So it's been a wonderful experience for me and for my health and well-being. And so... If you are interested in thinking about finding a way of eating for your health, for your body, I feel like this way of doing things, The Lay Don't Deny is the book that I read. I do believe that's the book that I read. I will find it and put it in the show notes, the one that I read that I really enjoyed of hers and got so much out of it because it's really made a difference in my body's functioning and way of being and had a nice little bonus from it. I actually lost weight, which wasn't the intention, but it feels like my body is getting back to me when stress and other things aren't affecting it. And I'm able to eat in a more orderly way that fits my body and lifestyle so much better. So very beneficial. And one of the interesting behind the scenes note that very few people know about that episode is that I almost didn't get to record it. I almost missed out on that amazing interview with Jen because... I was burning the candle at both ends and working so hard last December, getting ready to launch my podcast network, that I was burning myself out. I actually got the time wrong, thought that I was meeting with Jen at one time and got a message from her that she was like, "Um, I can't wait any longer. We were supposed to meet. And I went and looked and realized I had the wrong time in my head that I was meeting with her, which was embarrassing (laughs) at the very least. And it was humbling and eye-opening as well that I needed to be not doing so many things and trying to do so many things that I was getting myself to that place. So that was also part of me realizing that I was burning myself out, that the speed that I was going, the way that I was doing things. So that also was part of the planning for podcast episodes around burnout. And we had one right around that time and got some feedback that people wanted more concrete strategies, which actually led to me doing the episode number 57 with Matt McKinnon, where we talked about the stress cycle. And we actually read a book, both of us, and did some research around it, around learning more about burnout and what causes burnout and how we can try to combat burnout. So episode 57, it's a two-part series, but in episode 57 is where we talked about the stress cycle. And for me, that was a really important learning experience and understanding that the stress and the stressor are two different things. And just because you get away from the stressor, like we finally sold our house in Portland. So we no longer have the stress of trying to sell the house, but I still need to work through 
the stress that I experience, even if that stressor is gone. And you can have lasting effects from the stressor if you don't also work through the stress that came with it. If you don't recognize that they both don't disappear together, that you have to actually work through the effects in your body, the situation you've been in to get to the other side of it. And so we talk about that in episode 57, and we talk about the different tools and strategies that you can use to be able to work through that. And some of them, things like exercise, some of them, we actually even talked about how video games can potentially be a way to do that and kind of being mindful about how you are intentionally using these tools to help you move through these stress cycles and acknowledging what's stressful and what these stressors are that have brought you these stress so that you can actually get to the other side of them. So That entire episode is very valuable and the one following it, but to really look at burnout and the stress cycle and what you need to do to manage your stress so you aren't getting burnt out. So that is the second tool for your health and well-being going to 2024 is to look back at that episode on the stress cycle and about what you are doing and what you can do around moving through your stress and moving through what that impact is on you, what you can do to help to just move through that because you can't stay stagnant with it. You have to actually move through it and you have to actively do things to combat it and get to the other side. Otherwise you are just going to be like the tire spinning the mud and just burn yourself out and get yourself stuck. And so that's 24 and strategies and ways for you to be taking care of yourself. So that is very important. But the other thing that came from that is me recognizing that that was in December that I recorded that episode to release in January. And it was around the time that I was about to be coming up with my word of the year for 2024. And one of the reasons my word was savor was because I almost missed out on really enjoying and savoring this interview because I was late for it. I was behind the eight ball. I was scrambling. But instead, like she was gracious and wonderful, but also I was able to shift my mind and how much it made a difference. It was still the most popular episodes of the podcast that I was late for that I almost missed because I was still able to savor it and be present and really be part of that. So I feel like the word of the year also came out of that episode in some ways and me being able to see how powerful you can be if you can maintain being present and savoring how you can just roll with it events like that and what a powerful skill that is and how important that is. But the word of the year is part of that power. And so that's the third thing that I'm offering all of you as you're looking at 2024 is to really distill down what is most important to you. Is it a case where you have so much going on where it really is hard to savor. So you need to focus and you need to have a plan that your word is savor, your goal is savor, and your focus is on doing that, right? So that's another tool that I want you to really take into 2024 as something that you can use for your health and your well-being is finding a word of the year, finding a focus that you can improve upon, that you can find success even when everything is challenging to find successful. And so part of that is that in the episode, so there was just an episode, just came out, episode 73 is where I talked about the word of the year. And I referenced back to episode 28 and 33, where I talked about it the year before. So, you know, a lot of things are in word of the year. And we're talking about it again today with the word of the year is being this powerful tool that you can come up with. And so the word that I kind of was leaning towards in episode 73 was really bloom was where I was at the end of like 
things happening naturally with growth and going to the next stage and just letting things open up and happen. And I was really excited about that term. I discussed a few of them and that's kind of where I was at. And after I recorded that episode, as fate would have it, as time would have it, and the beauty of a word of the year is that you're going to have it for a whole year. So you need to put time and thought and give it room to move around and expand and develop on its own. But a different word, entirely different word came to me and that was the word believe. And so that's the one that I'm kind of rolling around and thinking about currently. And if you listened to last week's episode, you heard me talking about the belief in oneself as being hugely important, correct? And so that's kind of tied to me wondering about the word belief as being my word of the year for 2024. And I know that for a lot of folks, like belief is bedrock. It's part of who you are. And when I was probably eight to 15 years old, like I believed in a lot of things and belief was something I was great at and it was easy. And then it got harder, right? (laughs) And last week's episode, like kind of reflected the fact that I am pretty good at believing in myself. I've had numerous experiences in my life where I got this really big job across the country once. And the person that I was dating at the time, I was like, oh, I got this job. And they looked at me and they're like, oh, I I didn't think you would get that job. (laughs) And I was like, well, I knew I would get the job. (laughs) So so it surprised me at how much like I do believe in myself and my ability to do things above and beyond what other people believe in me at times. And I hold that. And a lot of people aren't as good at believing themselves as I am. Like that's something that I've been good at. And maybe the way that I was raised or that I tried things that I was good at and I've been able to hold on to that. I'm not sure what that is, but that's something that I've done better with than a decent amount of people. So that's a belief that I kind of have as a background to build these other things on. But we're looking beyond just believing in myself. So how are you with belief overall? Like I got to thinking about all these different things related to it. And one of the reasons I think that we have Santa Claus is about giving kids the opportunity to actually practice belief. And if you think about it that way, it's kind of beautiful that we have Santa Claus, right? And it gives adults the opportunity to cultivate belief. And there's this like mixed thing about how belief changes as we grow and how we handle learning new things and incorporate that information about things we once believed and how we integrate that. And so how our belief structures can change and take on new information and how they can grow or how they can crumble and how that can create us to question things. So our transformation of like when we're kids and we learn that Santa Claus isn't a real person and what we believed in, like, are we able to take that belief and build it into something beautiful that Santa Claus is the spirit of giving and it's this concept of belief and it's this other things we can grow out of it and turn it and build it into something bigger and more beautiful? Or when we learn that Santa Claus isn't a real person and our parents gave us these gifts and we've been lied to, does everything just crumble? And I think that that's a beautiful example of belief and the evolution of belief and that we have these opportunities to either build as we get more information and our belief can grow and change or if it can be like shattered by the weight of things. And I think that I was somebody who that as I learned more, I let things crumble under the weight of the things that I learned. And the more I understood, the more the knowing kind of destroyed things. And that once 
I believed I had to let go of things and instead of letting things mature and grow together and become something more and something bigger and something more beautiful with the more knowledge that I had, but instead I just let them like dissolve and break and fall apart. The more that I learned, the more that I knew. So in the end, it's meant that I'm not very good at believing in things. And I'm pretty decent at believing in myself still, but even that's more shaky than it used to be. Like at that time, I told my partner, of course I got the job. I'm not like (laughs) quite that place where I used to be even then, you know, 15 years ago. So I definitely have like had belief crumble in some areas and I've resurrected it and built it back up. You guys have heard me talk about my belief in this amazing, loving, nurturing relationship that I have that I share with my partner. And I believe in in that, but I had to believe in that in order to find that. And beautiful things came from that. So I think that's an example of how if I do believe things are possible, if I do have more belief, more beautiful things can happen. So that's the more I keep leaning towards that being something I want to consider as my word of the year as it keeps being developed. And that as I go into 2024, that I want to be able to believe some beautiful things. And one thing that does come up for me, and it's come up recently for me, is that believing that getting married without my mom there is still going to be just as meaningful and just as beautiful. She's been gone over a decade now. And every time I think of my wedding without her, it aches more deeply than I even want to admit. And I want to believe that she's in the heart of me and she's still going to be there. And I'm kind of impressed because I'm not crying as I'm talking about this. <laughs> this is the first time I haven't cried and I've talked about this. So maybe I am getting closer to believing that she's the heart of me. And so she will be there and she'll be part of things and that will be enough. And that's the thing that I'm talking about is those are the things that I want to believe. And that's why it possibly being my word of the year for 2024 is so important to me because I have all these things that I want to believe in the power of my business growing and thriving and helping more women's voices coming to podcasting and more important messages going out in the world to be supportive and for authentic connecting to be part of podcasting and be what is happening. And I feel like more women in podcasting is part of what's going to make that possible. And the power of this medium as a way for people to connect and for beautiful things to happen and change to happen in this world is what I want to believe I can help make happen. And so that belief is what I'm really excited about possibly having some word of the year. And a dear friend of mine, she told me that I need to know versus believe. And it's so interesting because that's why the word of the year is so personal, right? Because for me, as I just described and telling you this whole story and part of why I had to walk through it and that on that path was because I wondered about the knowing versus believing. And for me, knowing is what destroyed believing, the additional knowledge, additional information destroyed believing. So for me, there's these connotations with knowing for me helped to break apart and destroy believing. So for me, knowing and believing are two different things and the knowledge is what made it harder to disbelieve. And so, whereas they were like, you know, doing the metaphysical, like you need to know that you're smart and you need to know that your mom is there. You need to know that this is possible. And it's interesting because for me, like that's all stuff that's 
believe is how that stuff is real to me is because I believe those things, not because I know those things. Because knowledge for me is more the books and the informations and the evidence-based things. And the believing doesn't require the evidence. And so I need to have more belief that doesn't require evidence unless knowledge requires evidence. And then I don't need the evidence to outweigh the belief. And so for me, it had a total different meaning. And that's the beauty of words and each of us choosing our own word because it needs to be what speaks to us and how we need to be spoken to. And we know our language and what we need the most. So that's what I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning towards believing and having believe be my word for 2024. So yes, please send me all the song lyrics <laughs> that go with that being my word for 2024. That's where I land. And I'm going to be believing in 2024. I will make a measurable impact in the lives I touch and I will reach the goals I set for myself and my business. Believing that everyone around me is doing the best that they can. We've talked about that here on this podcast, right? That's not an easy thing to believe sometimes. And be able to give them infinite grace to find their way while they're still, still at the same time holding the boundaries to keep me safe and well as well. And believing that every day in every way, the universe is conspiring for me to achieve the best possible outcomes and everything is working on my behalf. And believe that my wedding will be just one incredible day and the epic love story I share with my partner. It'll be one that I cherish and believe that each person that is there is meant to be there and that things will fall into place and be exactly as they're meant to be and to be able to savor it the way that I really want to be able to. So I have so many more beliefs that go with that. So I just love the concept of believe because it's so cross applicable to so many things. So, so much to believe. I think that reflecting more on the year gone by and looking at the year ahead is what it really helped me look deeper at 2024 and what I want. And that's why the belief just kind of rose to the top for me. So I really hope that for each of you that you can kind of look at that and kind of find your way as well. And that I'm also looking at a word of the year for my business because it has been so powerful to me. So I hope you're having success looking through your word of the year and see how that can be part of your health and well-being for 2024 to do that. And so feel free to send me a note or a DM if you're challenged with that or excited about that. I would love to hear from you and learn more about that. Instagram is the best way to reach me and talk to me more about that. So the self-maintenance moment. I recorded this episode much later than I was supposed to because I was sick all last week and my voice was a mess for part of it because my throat was where things were happening. So the past week, letting go of deadlines and canceling a lot of things and taking afternoon naps is how I was doing my self-maintenance. So sometimes that's how you're taking care of yourself. It's not, it's not the other end of the spectrum that I sometimes share. It changes to where we're at, what we need. And so for the grit with this week, we are all going to roll around some more thoughts about what we want more of in 2024, because I feel like that's what the key is to kind of finding that word of the year or that goal for us is like, what is the one thing that can move the needle for me? What would it be? What is the thing that I want to see shift? And whatever it is, is there a word that connects it, that, that webs all those things together? There's something that takes it all together and makes it a difference for me will really make an impact and kind of distill it down to that one thing. So 
This is something that takes time. So maybe while you're brushing your teeth or going for a drive or doing dishes or something where you can let your mind really wander back to like, what do I really want? Like what is in 2024 the thing that I feel like could make the biggest difference for me, the biggest impact? And to reflect back on the year, what you feel like you were missing or wanted more of or the glimpse of the the meeting that you were late for and yet it was still amazing and impactful because you were able to show up and savor and be present. And so maybe savoring and be present is what you really want the most of. So there's lessons in those moments where we find the gold in the past months and weeks as well. So find that if you can't figure out what you want more of, find what happened that really kind of connected with you. So Maybe you can grab a color grit coloring book while you're doodling or drawing or coloring. You can also let your mind wander and put that on the back burner. So you need some room for this. My words have been grace, gratitude, create, and savor. And some people have multiple words. I tried that one year, but I don't remember what the other word was. So apparently I'm just better off with just one, (laughs) distilling it down. So belief and bloom are the top for 2024. And alignment and ease or what I'm leaning towards work. So that would be why I'd have two is one for my business and one for my personal life too. Those are things that you can kind of lean into and figure out what you want for you for your growth. wit. And I'm also giving you a fourth gift for your health and wellness moving into 2024. I am going to introduce you to Boots Knighton and to the Heart Chamber podcast. And I am going to actually share with you an episode. We're going to tack it right on. You guys are getting used to this. This is kind of a great way for you guys to be able to learn about new podcasts and be able to connect with them. But this is an exciting episode from Boots. It's her conversation with Dr. Jack Wolfson. And he's a natural heart doctor. It's her 27th episode. And they talk about the philosophy of eat well, live well, think well, and offer a lot of valuable health information that I found enlightening, even as someone who hasn't had a family history of heart concerns. I feel like if you do have a family history of heart concerns, or if you are somebody who's had open heart surgery, maybe facing that, or someone you know or love is, like this information from her podcast is valuable. The stories are powerful. She actually interviews people who've been through open heart surgery and their stories are incredible. She also interviews health and wellness experts in different capacities around this conversation. So if this is somebody you know, like recommend this podcast to them if they've had open heart surgery or facing it because such valuable information, such a powerful community that she has started from her own experience and what she's been through. And so this episode I'm sharing is exactly that. But the cool bonus is that if you go over to her podcast, The Heart Chamber this week, there's a replay of an episode of her talking to a physical therapist about recovery from open heart surgery. And they actually talk about mental health and mental wellness and how those things all play together as part of that. So if you do know somebody who's in that realm or facing those things, like you need to, you have an obligation to talk about this podcast because it really is quite powerful. And I feel like it's also really interesting information. It has a lot of value, even if you don't have that exact history or that exact future looking at you. There's so much that's being shared and her conversations that she has with people who have faced really complicated situations I think the one thing I've gotten the most out of listening to her podcast episodes is that 
when folks are having heart attacks or heart events, as they might call it, they don't realize that that's what's happening or they don't think that's what's happening or they question it, especially if they're in the medical field, I feel like, or if they're athletes, they're like, um, this can't be what's happening. I don't think this is, this is what's happening and it is what's happening. So it's kind of useful to hear those stories because if I'm ever with somebody that that's happening to, I'll be like, it probably is happening because you're more likely to think that's not what's happening. So it's actually been valuable to learn more about what those heart incidents look like and what those conversations are like. So it's a great podcast, but we're going to just tack that on so you can hear that. And the cool thing is in 2024, Boots is totally going to come onto the Grit Show. So you guys will get to know her and her story more. It is very powerful what led her to to start this podcast and this community that really is about connecting people around open heart surgery because it's really impactful to have that connection and have a community when you're going through something that that considerable as something big. So she's pretty powerful. So be sure to pass that along and check this out. This great conversation that she has with Dr. Jack Olfson from her episode number 27 in the quest for holistic cardiovascular wellness that you can get something out of as well. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed your holidays and I look forward to connecting with you more in the new year. And in case no one has told you lately, you are the only one of you, the only person with your unique talents and gifts, the only person that can offer what you have to offer in this world. That really does mean something. I'll be here again next week. Hello, welcome to the Heart Chamber. I am your host, Boots Knighton. Welcome to episode 27 with Dr. Jack Wolfson. Have you ever met someone and you just knew you found your person? Like, I have my husband, I have my friends, and those are all my people for different reasons. But Dr. Jack Wolfson, he's my heart person. I've only met him once, and it was to record this episode. And when I hung up with him, I was like, I have found the doctor I've been looking for who just gets it. And when I say gets it, meaning mind, body, soul, and how they all work together on behalf of the heart. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. We are going to talk about so many important things related to the heart and your overall health. And we are now offering as an affiliate with Dr. Jack Wilson opportunities to support this podcast. So be sure to go to my website, theheartchamberpodcast.com, where you can buy his coffee, his supplements. He has vetted everything and it is the highest quality. I only offer up people and opportunities and supplements and other things of purchase if I have used it myself. And he is the real deal. And we have to be stewards of our hearts. And he has vetted everything he sells and believes in. So without further ado, I am so excited to bring you Dr. Jack Wilson. Welcome to the Heart Chamber. Hope 
inspiration, and healing, conversations on open heart surgery. I am your host, Boots Knighton. If you are a heart patient, a caregiver, a healthcare provider, a healer, or are just looking for open-hearted living, this podcast is for you. To make sure you are in rhythm with the Heart Chamber, be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this episode. While you are listening today, think of someone who may appreciate this information. The number one way people learn about a podcast is through a friend. Don't you want to be the reason someone you know gained this heartfelt information? And if you haven't already, follow me on Instagram, two different places, at boots.nighton or at the Heart Chamber Podcast. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. But enough with the directions. Without further delay, let's get to this week's episode. Dr. Wolfson, thank you so much for coming onto the Heart Chamber podcast. As I have told my listeners, the whole point of my podcast is to provide hope and healing and access to well thought out, uh, reliable, credible information on how we can be our own best advocates and to thrive no matter what we are facing with the journey of our hearts. So Dr. Wolfson, thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure, Boots. Thank you so much. And yeah, I, you know, it's, it's about thriving, not just surviving. And I think way too many people in the United States and around the world are really just struggling to survive. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. So I'm excited again to be on and share my message. Well, thank you. And will you just kind of introduce us to you. Tell us about your background and how you came to be who you are in this present day moment. Sure. I am a board certified cardiologist like my father before me. So I like to say that I was literally born into the world of cardiology and or even actually before that while I was in utero, listening to my father, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, listening to his conversations he would be having with my mother or maybe his colleagues that I would have been around in utero. And then of course, uh, after being born. And my father was my absolute hero. I couldn't wait to become a cardiologist just like him. And as I was achieving that level of success after 10 years of medical training and then joining the biggest group in the state of Arizona uh, as a hospital-based cardiologist, my father at the same time was getting sick and he was getting sick of a Parkinson's-like illness. And eventually the Mayo Clinic would diagnose him with something called progressive supranuclear palsy, or PSP for short. And the Mayo Clinic tells my mother and I and my siblings, we have no idea why you know your father is sick and dying, uh, and we've got no treatment for him, and he will you know die most likely in the next three years. Well, serendipitously and simultaneously at that time, I was introduced to a young woman, and uh, she is a doctor of chiropractic. And she told me all the reasons why my father is sick and dying because of the way he eats, the way that he lives, you know, so on and so forth, and really getting down detailed on that. And she said, if you uh, don't change your life and everything about you, you're going to suffer the same fate. And if you really want to help people, you're going to become a DC. And I said, wait a second, you want me to become a DC doctor of chiropractic? I just spent 10 years in medical training and three years on the job, and I'm making all this money and success as a conventional cardiologist. And she said, no, not become a DC doctor of chiropractic, you need to become a DC doctor of cause. 
And that's what I did. I don't ever hear that in the medical world. Like when I go to the doctor, no one's wanting to get to the cause of anything. Like when I was diagnosed with all my congenital defects and why they all of a sudden started to become a problem at age 42, no one could come up with the cause. They just wanted to immediately operate and then told me to go live my best life. And that was that. No nutritional education, nothing. It seems like you're probably one of the few that operates from this standpoint. I mean, I've been to some more uh, naturopathic doctors in recent years that have similar thinking, but are you kind of on your own in the medical world? Yeah, there's not many cardiologists who think the same way, and that's for a whole variety of reasons. It's just the way that we're trained from day one to push pharmaceuticals and procedures. And then, of course, we're kept in line by the you know, state governing bodies and the professional organizations and by our colleagues and ultimately by financial reimbursement. So we're kept in line you know, from that. So you really need a, an incredible epiphany moment to take you out of that medical matrix. And as we would look at some of the things regarding you and some of the things you shared before our call is the way I would look at anybody as we decide why. Now, you can also say, well, listen, you know, okay, the, the why is interesting, but where do I go from here? There's nothing I can do about my past. How do I go forward? And I can't wait to share all that information for you and everybody else listening about how to go forward. But I think that part of the healing process in general is understanding the why this happened to someone. It's like if someone has significant coronary artery disease, well, part of that why would be they were around secondhand smoke, or maybe they were exposed to smoke in utero, or of course, the way they ate, the way that they uh, drank, the way that they lived, the way that they slept, the sunshine exposure, environmental toxins, chemicals, all these things that go into it that create the person we are at this very moment listening to this podcast. But as it relates to anyone, and I think about congenital heart disease, and I think about people with uh, you know myocardial bridging, people with deemed you know small vessels and stuff like that, let's get to the root cause of why. And the why of everything is because of in utero, violations of eat well, live well, think well by your mother, uh, behaviors of your father while you were in utero and how that could have exposed and led to that. And of course, after you're born, all those things. But even we know that certain behaviors of the woman before she gets pregnant leads to significant changes in fetal uh, you know, outcomes, outcomes of the babies and how they grow up. So again, what, I guess what I'm saying is that whenever I look at anyone, I look through the lens of these violations of the eat well, live well, think well, and then we can use that to gain better understanding of our past. But then of course, we can use that to gain much better understanding about how we're going to proceed in the future. Okay. So much to unpack there. Let's talk about that. Eat well, live well, think well for a moment. Okay. So Let's talk about this as it relates to going forward. How do people go about that things? And then we can say that the lack of this, as we think about these things, then we can talk about how they caused previous health issues. So if we talk about in order of eat well, live well, think well, and I do want everyone to understand that the eating well is just as important as the living well and the thinking well and all the way around, right? Thinking well is just as important as the others. Now, the eating well conversation gets the most publicity. And there's so many different diets that people have out there. But when I think about eating well, I think about our ancestral diet and bringing it to a modern world. So if we can all agree on one thing for sure, it's to get the chemicals out of our food. 
eat organic food, eat free-range grass-fed meats, eat wild seafood, but get the chemicals out of our food, artificial ingredients, flavors, you know, colorings, uh, artificial sweeteners, get rid of that stuff, get the pesticides out of our food. They're highly correlated with disease in every way, shape, or form. So making sure that no matter what diet you follow, vegan, vegetarian, paleo, keto, carnivore, Mediterranean, South Beach diet, whatever it did, chocolate chip cookie diet, just make sure it's organic. Just get the chemicals out. I've been missing out. Chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> there are some people that you probably know who, who are following that particular diet. I have not even heard of that. If you're like listening to us talk right now, Blues, and you're like, oh my God, Wolfson mentioned ice cream. Okay, if you're going to eat ice cream, which so many people obviously do, I'm not advocating it, but if you're going to, just get organic ice cream. Strauss's free-range grass-fed uh, ice cream. You know, the, the vanilla flavor has five ingredients and they're all organic. You know, so you know, do it the right way if you're going to do it. The next thing I would say in that category is to eat plenty of seafood. The people who eat the most amount of seafood, the people with the highest levels of omega-3 fatty acids in their blood have the lowest risk of everything. So enjoy high-quality seafood. The next is nose-to-tail animal foods like bison, for example, bison liver, heart. Uh, those organs are just so nutrient-dense, so packed, full of all the proteins, vitamins, minerals that we need to, to exist. And then I'm a big fan of gluten-free eating and not so much of like, oh, turning to all these gluten-free foods and recipes, although you can, but I've just seen so much devastation from gluten. We do a lot of third-party testing with intestinal hyperpermeability panels, uh, gluten sensitivity panels, and people just come off the charts. So those are kind of my dietary strategies. I would also say real quick too, obviously quality beverages. I am a fan of organic uh, mold mycotoxin-free coffee. I am not a fan of alcohol, although I love the taste of alcohol. I personally like the way that I feel after a drink. I grew up as a drinker. My father uh, was a drinker. The only sob story to his drinking, because he was the joke teller, the storyteller uh, of everything. The only sob story about his drinking is that he's dead. So that's the thing there. And then let me wrap up E-Well as far as intermittent fasting. I believe that a lot of people with coronary artery disease will do well in the fact of clearing out some of those blockages through the process of extended duration intermittent fasting, like 72 hours, uh, you know, at a minimum. That's a whole podcast episode in and of itself, just to eat well. And I want to touch on coffee because I've been reading about your coffee and I'm such a coffee lover and I believe in the power of the morning cup and it's just the way you start your day. Can you unpack a little bit for us the concerns around coffee and why you started? You have like your own coffee company or label. It's a really cool story. The story kind of, you know, if I, if I may preface the story about coffee, there's a lot of people who love coffee, right? 175 million Americans in the United States, they love coffee. Yet if they go to see their traditional medical doctor, they will often be told to get rid of it. Even some natural doctors, you know, natural practitioners will tell people not to drink coffee. But I, you know, said, well, what's, what's really the data behind that? Because I grew up as a coffee drinker. My father was a coffee drinker. Of course, back then it was big tins of Hills Brothers and gas station coffee and coffee in the nursing station and how that developed. And then I was asked to... When I met my wife and she was all into organic, then it became organic coffee. And then there's a certain coffee company that asked me to be a medical, you know, scientific advisor to their company as it relates to coffee. 
And so as I start combing through all this literature about all the benefits really of coffee, and let me say here real quick, if you don't like the way you feel on coffee or caffeine, then don't drink it. But if you do, I want to give you the medical you know, authority and prescription, if you will, to do so. But if you look at all the literature about what it does for blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, heart rhythm disorders like atrial fibrillation, recovery after a heart attack, longevity, brain health, anti-cancer. There's a lot of literature that supports that. And then I also wanted to create something that not only was free of uh, tested pesticides, so we third-party tested my coffee, and then the other thing is that we wanted to make sure that it was free of mold mycotoxins. Then I know that that's something near and dear to your heart as well, So as it is to mine. So it had to be a mold-free coffee. Now, Bulletproof and Dave Asprey, they made the mold story very uh, well known, but I don't think he took enough attention to the detail of was it truly organic coffee? Because sometimes organic coffees may be moldier because they're not sprayed with chemicals. So you really got to make sure that you're getting something that doesn't have the chemicals and doesn't have the mold mycotoxins. And that's where, you know, my brand uh, was, was born. Incredible. And I'll have in the show notes how listeners can go find that and find you, obviously. And I hadn't thought about no pest, how the lack of pesticides could contribute to more mold. So thank you for that, that awareness. And so do you continuously monitor your product for microtoxins? Like, how do you check that? So the the coffee that we get is from a single farm in Honduras. It actually started as a women's co-op uh, back in the 1990s. We've been in business for this uh, almost three years, and we tested at the beginning, and we tested actually probably about two to three months ago as far as to make sure. But it's the same coffee, so we would expect the same results, but uh, we did retest it really because you know somebody requested it and said, hey, you got an update on your 2020 testing. And I said, okay, you want an update, then we'll send it for third-party testing. And it was it was good. And actually what we do with ours is that it's uh, we do a benevolence campaign to uh, a group called Friends of Honduran Children. And I vetted that organization to make sure that they were getting uh, the, the right things sent uh, and done for those children as opposed to you know pharmaceutical donations and stuff like that, which is not what I wanted to contribute to. So 5% of all sales, sales, not profits, but sales goes to that organization. So there you go. Incredible. It's like a one-two punch for good. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So live well. So we've covered eat well, which has so many important nuggets, but tell me about live well. Yeah. So live well is incredibly important as well. And, and it's a much bigger category as far as all the different components of what it means to live well. When I think of living well, I, the first thing I think about is sleep and getting high quality sleep to go to sleep shortly after the sundown and waking up before the sunrise. That's what our ancestors did. Now, the average time people go to sleep in the United States is after midnight. It's midnight because it was the middle of the night, but now it's when most people go to bed. And that's catastrophic on so many different levels, artificial lights and EMF and disrupted sleep patterns and destroying melatonin and all these things that are so important. So we want to try and go to bed as shortly after sundown as possible. You know, the wintertime, northern hemisphere, if you're getting to bed 8, 830, I think you're probably doing better than most. Trying to minimize the use of technology after dark is also critical. Uh, number two is sunshine, making sure that we get our solar panel, our skin, out into the sunlight, uh, whether it's sunny outside, natural light, taking off those sunglasses. I haven't worn sunglasses in, in 15 years unless I'm doing some kind of sporting activity to protect my eyes. And even then I try for clear lenses. 
I got to be careful about these stream of consciousness that I get into about getting down these different rabbit holes. But even the clear lenses block out UVA and UVB, which is a problem. Our eyes actually have photoreceptors for UVA and UVB, which is why I don't wear uh, sunglasses. As far as sunscreen, I'll put sunscreen on my face sometimes if it's going to be prolonged exposure or if I haven't been out in the sun in a while. Sunburn bad, sunshine good. Again, the skin is a solar panel, makes vitamin D, nitric oxide, and those, those natural light behaviors help us to make uh, the components that will become melatonin when we go to sleep. So we got sleep, we got sunshine, we got physical activity, movement. Every study shows that the more you move, the better off you are. Burst activity, high-intensity interval activity uh, is always good. Push-ups, pull-ups, squats, lunges, uh, stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking. My favorite thing in the world, activity-wise, is, is mountain biking. So those factors there. Next one, everybody needs to be under the care of a chiropractor. And not just because I married one, but because they are they are the real neurologist boots. They are the real neurologist in the recovery phase. And you know, for someone who's had open heart surgery and they've had, you know, sternotomy, any chiropractor is going to take a good history, a good physical examination. They're not going to come up to someone fresh out of surgery or many years after surgery and all of a sudden quote unquote crush you know, their spine or their, or their, you know, sternum. And the number of times I saw someone come into the hospital with a chiropractic complication was zero. So, and I worked in the hospitals for 18 years. So uh, chiropractic, holistic dentistry is very important to take care of your teeth in a holistic fashion. The literature there is very strong about periodontal disease, gingivitis, root canals, very, very, very destructive. So we got to fix that. And then something I know that you're passionate about, and it is like those, the toxin category. So avoiding environmental toxins, comes in under the lifestyle factor. And first and foremost in that area is mold, mycotoxins, and bacterial toxins from a water-damaged building. Wow. So I'm good on the sleep and the sunshine and the physical activity. I do not have a chiropractor, but I do have a holistic dentist. And I recently had my cavitations operated on. And I learned so much. I plan on bringing that dentist onto the podcast in the coming months because he is just such a wealth of knowledge here in Eastern Idaho. I want to spend a little bit more time on the chiropractic side. That's the first time I've heard of that. Why? Can you go a little more in depth as to why that is so important for post-operative healing? If that's the angle you were meaning. Well, I, I think chiropractic is great for all things health and wellness for prevention, for the treatment, for the reversal of health-related conditions. And uh, I say that because they are phenomenal with musculoskeletal issues and headache and, and neck aches and back pains and stuff like that. But the way that chiropractic really works is by using the bones as levers in the body and by moving bones and moving joints in particular there is innervation to those joints. And when you move that joint, now you create this wave of neurologic flow from the joint back to the brain and from the brain back into the body. And that's all controlled in many ways through various parts of the nervous system. But first and foremost, we can talk about what's called the autonomic nervous system. Sympathetic, which is fight or flight or freeze, and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest, digest, procreate, sexual activity, stuff like that. So as we look at the way the world is today in sympathetic overdrive, 
where we're just in fight or flight? Or what do you think the status is of your neurologic system after you come out of open heart surgery? What do you think that is? Do you think you're in the rest digest mode or you're in fight or flight? Your body, right? Your paleolithic cave person body is looking at this and they're like, what just happened? What just happened, you know, to me? And that is absolutely tremendous. So again, as we look at that, we just want to make sure uh, that we're under the care of a chiropractor for all these different reasons. I, I believe chiropractic for children, you know, these ear infections, strep throats, people with gut issues. I just, I think the world of chiropractic, and, and listen, I also, I tend to come across as very bashing on the medical community. And I'm not apologetic about that, but I will give the caveat that, listen, God bless the men and women who work in emergency rooms and trauma centers, you know, um, and who do open heart procedures on the people who need it. But for truly the prevention, uh, reversal, for the treatment of chronic diseases, the medical community has nothing. They have nothing in this area. And uh, it's unfortunate because there's so much we can do to really end the suffering. And that's one of my missions. So I do appreciate you having me on. Well, and as I was saying to you before we started recording, you know, I, I refer to it as the sick care industry, right? And that anything that has helped me thrive post-open heart surgery has not been covered by insurance. I don't understand why I'm paying for this health care. I put that in air quotes. If anything that's actually benefiting my health is not being covered. I don't find that acceptable. I find it criminal. It's lunacy. And it is past time that that changes. And the only way I can think to help contribute to that is to have important conversations like this and get people to think differently about what they're choosing to invest in. Because every time we spend our money, we are, whatever that is for, we are saying we are giving the green light to that. So if I'm buying non-organic crap food, I am telling that industry, I continue to approve of that. Yeah, that's a great, great point. You know, voting with your with your pocketbook. And uh, I think that the revolution only will come from the people. It's only going to come from people like you and I shouting from the rooftops, hey, we're only going to eat organic food. We're only going to drink organic, you know, natural beverages. And we're only going to support uh, holistic healthcare providers. And I do feel your pain. And obviously I've seen thousands of people and talked to a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, online and just seen the message, you know, loud and clear about how people struggled to financially uh, cover these kind of out-of-pocket expenses. And uh, listen, we're up against a $1.5 trillion a year pharmaceutical revenue generating uh, juggernaut. The insurance industry is totally in bed with pharma and therefore, of course, the medical doctors, you know, this is all just one nasty, incestuous, uh, you know, relationship. And I don't see it coming to an end anytime uh, soon. That's for sure. All political parties are bought and sold, you know, by the you know, by the pharmaceutical industrial complex, including insurance companies. So it really is a problem. Just to get a little bit of detail as far as giving people some practical advice, there are some great companies out there, Christian Share you know, programs, Liberty Health Share programs. I think supporting and looking into those are fantastic. I also look at you know the status of health savings accounts, high deductible healthcare plans where you're on the hook for, for a catastrophe, but you're only on the hook for, say, the first five or $10,000. So very high deductible plans, low monthly premiums. 
which are phenomenal, I guess, when you say you're healthy and now someone comes along and like, well, I'm not healthy and I, and I have to pay for all these pharmaceuticals. Well, then that really is the prerogative to get off the pharmaceuticals, do everything you can to work off the pharmaceuticals. And I'm telling you, I've been very successful in marching off pharmaceuticals and just about everybody that I've encountered, there's a few indications for certain pharmaceuticals but my mission is to reduce and eliminate pharmaceuticals. And let me say one more thing too. I believe my company, uh, Natural Heart Doctor, is the worldwide leader in cardiovascular health. Now you may say, wait a second, what about Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, Texas Heart Institute? Well, those are the worldwide leader in cardiovascular sickness or the worldwide leaders in cardiovascular health. So what about someone like me who has, you know, had the myocardial bridging, but also has a bicuspid valve and tiny coronary arteries? Like, how do I walk the line between the two worlds? Because what I'm hearing as patient right now with you, doctor, is, okay, I have these anatomical things going on, right? And how do I manage the healthy lifestyle and the need of monitoring as, as I age? Well, the way that you would monitor a bicuspid aortic valve is typically going to be with an echocardiogram. So I don't have a problem with echocardiograms. Uh, they can also be cash-based tests where, where a doctor like me gives someone like you a prescription for an echocardiogram and then insurance may cover that test or, you know, I guess in certain cases they may not. They, in, in that case, they typically do. But even for someone who didn't have insurance, then you go to a local hospital and you say, I have a prescription for an echocardiogram. What is the cash price for this particular, you know, test? And then they come back and they say, well, it is $2,000. And then you say, I would like to pay you $800. Is that acceptable to you? And then they say yes or no. And oftentimes I'm telling you, Boots, that these places will all negotiate. Everybody wants money. Everybody gets a financial person. Everybody has their bottom line. So that's one thing with that. What I would also say to someone like you or anyone who is listening, what if the goal right now is to improve or preserve your current status and prevent things from getting worse. So what is the best approach to do that? Is that in the pharmaceutical, medical, mainstream model? Or is it through the concept of eat well, live well, think well? And then our extension onto that is test, don't guess. So we personally do the most advanced blood, urine, stool, salivary testing whenever needed. And yes, those tests, uh, if you do a lot of them, can become expensive. And then we also get into evidence-based supplements, which of course insurance doesn't cover, and then biohacking strategies. So that could be uh, red light therapy, sauna therapy, IV therapy, ozone therapy, lymphatic therapy. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of different biohacking strategies. And as I think about this whole process, being a conventional medical doctor is real easy. You know, here's your pharma, here's your surgical procedure, here's some tests you probably didn't need. And uh, well, we'll see you back real soon. The conversations we have right now are extensive, they're lengthy, but they are the answer. That's so overwhelming for me because, I mean, well, first of all, I'm 45. I didn't learn of any of this till I was 42. So it was shocking, right? And no one has educated me on how to preserve my heart. Basically, just this real negative view of, oh, we've got to monitor this every year because eventually it's going to become a problem. That's been the only conversation. Like I've asked for nutrition. I've asked for, is there any evidence-based 
approaches to like preserving a bicuspid valve. Like surely there's got to be something. There's just such a disconnect. I know I have a lot of congenital heart listeners and there just has to be an easier, softer way than just monitor and wring our wrists every year. That just doesn't compute with me. You're totally correct. So for anyone who's listening with congenital heart disease, again, I, I applaud the heroic efforts of surgeons who did what they did at the time to you, of which there is an infinite number of congenital uh, abnormalities. And I do want to reiterate again, there's something you were born with, but it's likely from environmental toxin exposure in utero and actually prior to conception. I do want to put that out there. But how does everyone listening lead their best life? Like you said, is it just, okay, we'll retest you in a year, take care. And you're like, that's it. That's not the prevention strategy. That's the detection strategy for when you're going to tell me when I need to have my bicuspid aortic valve replaced or my aorta, you know, uh, repaired surgery on a mitral valve or, you know, pulmonary artery, you know, atresia, you know, cases, tetralogy of Fallot, you know, whatever it may be. So there are a lot of strategies we can do to preserve the bicuspid aortic valve. We know that people with bicuspid aortic valve disease, when they are exposed to environmental toxins and synthetic foods and even poor sunshine exposure, vitamin D levels, those people progress. So we try and make sure that we eat well, live well, think well, test, don't guess. Vitamin K2, for example, wonderful strategy to prevent, treat, and reverse coronary artery disease and aortic valve calcification and disease in, in a bicuspid patient. So testing these different levels of all these different things and making sure that vitamin K tested is on track. And if we need more, then we give more. If we don't, then we don't. Uh, we know, for example, that LP little a, which is a, a lipid particle similar to an LDL that increases the risk of bicuspid aortic valve disease. So does somebody with a bicuspid valve have LP little a? And if they do have LP little a, what are we going to do for a treatment uh, for that? And there are strategies, many of which that we can do from a holistic standpoint. And of course, they're coming out with a, an LP little a uh, vaccine coming soon to a medical practice near you by like, I think those are supposed to be out like 2030. Those will be out in official, but they may lower numbers down. We'll see if they meaningfully change outcomes. But, you know, again, for anyone who's listening, the, the best way forward is not just to sit and wait. It's to be very proactive, eat the right foods, avoid the wrong foods, live the right lifestyle, avoid the environmental toxins, and then to the think well category, it really comes into these various things, passion, uh, purpose, you know, boots. I mean, I don't know much about you except for the fact that you started this podcast for all the reasons you said you did, but I mean, that's a passion statement. It's a passion. That's a purpose. You know, you're helping so many people who are struggling in this arena. Uh, spirituality is obviously incredibly important. Uh, we know that people who believe in God People who do have quote unquote religion and spirituality, they live better. They live longer. That's in the literature. And obviously it's common sense. Gratitude, self-acceptance. Hey, you know what? I was born with this. I have this. I have this procedure. I accept who I am and I will, you know, work to continue to make myself the best I can going forward. Community is another thing that's very important inside of Live Well. So what you've created here, Boots, with your community here is obviously important, but community could be uh, faith-based. It could be work-based. It could be community-based. It could be 
politically based, of which there's so many different things in community, but having community, which includes family and friends and people who are like-minded, that's all very important as it relates to health and wellness. We know that people who don't have community, who identify themselves as socially isolated, they die much earlier. And then finally, as I would wrap up the think well, which is not everything, but because uh, it's such a big category of which the medical doctors have zero training. And you can say, well, what about a psychiatrist? And they really get zero training on, on the things. There. I mean, that's just total pharmaceuticals. Uh, but, the, but last but not least is safety, right? Safety, security in your home. Do you feel safe at home? Do you feel secure at home? Do you feel safe and secure at your workplace uh, or around other people or financially secure? These are all big things. And ultimately, maybe Boots, what I would say is thinking well is all about finding your happy. Just find your happy place. Happy people live longer. Beautiful, very succinct. And, and I can't agree more. Another heart patient talked about the importance of the Caring Bridge community and meal trains. And so if you are going through a heart issue or any any issue in life, Caring Bridge, it basically takes your community and puts it online that's easier for you to access. And then the meal train is an incredible way for people to engage, to care for you with the basic need, which is food. Obviously, you would hope for clean, fair, healthy food. But, you know, you can always make that request and people can either choose to bring you a meal or not. So when I was going through my heart surgery, we had a meal train and it was just invaluable to my husband and I. Can I add to that, you know, it's um, when one is feeling down and out, for any particular reason, right? We have these comfort foods, but unfortunately the comfort foods do not help people heal. Maybe mentally, I, I guess in that sense, you could say, well, it did, but it's just not good enough of a reason. So if we're healing with foods like liver and heart, how do you repair a heart? You eat heart. I don't make the rules. It's just it's just common sense stuff. So, and there are there are encapsulated products as well that are our organs in a capsule, food is medicine. So you could do it that way. And the organs tend to be a lot cheaper. Like most people, they want the filet of the steak and stuff like that, the filet of the cattle. But, uh, you know, beef liver, bison liver, those tend to be a lot cheaper and m much more nutrient dense. So they go a lot further. And then also the seafood. So, you know, sardines, uh, anchovies, these are not expensive and they're very nutrient dense. Uh, even wild salmon is nutrient dense. Uh, although varieties can be expensive, but you know, I, I would also challenge people to, and I don't mean to pass judgment on people, but uh, this is kind of like hashtag no excuses. You know, a lot of times, on average, we hear people say that they can't afford it. You know, whatever it may be, but it, you know, they seem to be able to afford the Starbucks crap of frappuccino on a daily basis. You know, along with a croissant. You know, for twelve dollars, you know, in the morning. Some of these women who are in their mid, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s, they tend to show up with uh, beautifully styled hair and nails and, um, you know, carrying some kind of fancy purse. Maybe it's time to downsize on, on your car or on, on your home or the place that you live and really work to pay yourself with food first. Again, there are a lot of people who are really struggling, and I do not mean to, uh, you know, denigrate them. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, back in the day, a lot, a lot of the hospital systems, right, you know, New York Presbyterian, Lutheran General, these were all uh, faith-based institutions. They were the churches who ran the medical care and the hospitals, and that's where it was. And somehow the insurance industry co-opted the whole thing, 
it was really taken out of the hands and now into the hands of the third party. And I think that if there was a return to a lot more of that charitable giving to those institutions, uh, as opposed to, well, what happens now is that we get taxed and we pay Medicare and Medicaid and so on and so forth. But if we took the government out of that equation and we were able to directly support the hospitals to take care of people and to do so in the right way. Like I personally, I would love to take part in meal train and stuff like that. And I would gladly, with God as my witness right now, I would gladly support people that are bringing only organic food to people, only pre-range grass-fed products, only the wild seafood. I will contribute to that, but I will never be a contributor to the sickness model. One could say, well, come on, they need food. They're down and out. They just had surgery. What's the big deal if we bring them Subway? You know, they, they need something to eat. I, and you mentioned this earlier, I and my family will never support that. We will never give money to that ever. Right. Standing by your integrity. That is another thing I want to point out. I mean, we've just recently met and it is just very clear you're in your integrity. You are standing in your truth and you have been in this long enough to know what works, what doesn't, what's broken, what's effective. And I just appreciate your generosity in sharing all of this with us. Now, you're one in a million in the United States. How does someone like me up in Idaho or someone in Alabama, I'm thinking of a heart patient there that became a friend of mine, my new heart friend in Brooklyn, New York. Like, Admittedly, I feel like I'm pretty far along on your eat well, live well, think well model. And I still have so much to change. I'm overwhelmed. I have a cardiologist locally who does not think like you. I'm currently having new issues. What do we do as heart patients? Like, I can't just hop in the car and run down to Arizona and you likely don't have an appointment anyway. How do we move forward? I'm exasperated. I understand. But I think that if we continue to really work through really dialing in the possibilities of how we eat, how we live, and how we think, and we're making sure all those are firing on all cylinders to the best of our ability. And then if we look at test, don't guess. So, so we do, in particular, sell testing remotely. So people do get the testing locally. And then they get the opportunity to review the results either with a coach or one of the other doctors on my team at Natural Heart Doctors. So that's the way personally, the way that we operate. Now, my long-term vision, which hopefully is not the long-term, it's the short-term, is that we get offices and clinics in, in cities and towns all around the country to make it easier for people to show up in person but the reality is uh, virtual you know, meetings and virtual technology is already here. Everybody is already doing it. There's no reason not to do it. Uh, and that truly is the future. So a lot of these things that m myself and my team handle, we handle virtually. And I've been seeing people from all over the world since 2012. So I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying it's always cheap. But you know, one thing that we offer too is really is kind of like there's opportunities where you meet with the physicians, but then you also have the holistic natural heart doctor coaches to guide you along the way. And everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs an advisor. Everybody needs an accountability partner. 
You know, so Boots, you know, okay, listen, I know the foods to eat and I know the lifestyle, but sometimes we veer off of that. Hey, Boots, what's going on? How things been? What time are you going to sleep? Ah, oh, well, you know, it's been rough, you know, the past blah, blah, blah. And I haven't been going to bed until 11, 11.30 and then I'm not sleeping. Okay, well, let's let's break that down. Let's talk about it. Let's try and fix that. Uh, well, you know, I mean, so-and-so challenge happened. The holidays were here during the holidays. My diet fell apart. I gained 10 pounds. I feel terrible. Okay, that's Okay. Let's get back on track. Let's talk about how we're going to do that. Or, you know, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I've suffered with all these things. I feel overwhelmed. I got kids. I got family members. I got my job. I got all this stuff. Let's help you with that to try and cope with that and part of the thinking well process. And I think it's a good strategy. It's not easy, but, you know, I mean, the easy answer is just take a pill, uh, go for surgery, but uh, I don't think it's a good strategy. No, and, and open heart surgery is nothing to sn- sniff at. We could go on for hours, but if there is one piece of advice for today, for this episode, if you wish that people would make one immediate change, what would it be? Well, as I speak to you right now, I am outside recording. So I'll say this, the more time you spend outside the longer you will live. Yeah, the sunshine, the fresh air, the exercise, the grounding on the earth, all of it. All of it. And it's not easy. You know, when you're up in uh, eastern Idaho and the weather, you know, come winter time is this, this, this. And I'm, I was, you know, I'm a Chicago guy for 30 years, you know, so I get it. But uh, there are healthier places to live, quite honestly. But I used to bike ride out of a store in, in Chicagoland and their motto was, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. So get the good clothes and get outside. We're going to leave it there for now. I'm already going to invite you back. For listeners, you will find all the ways in the show notes. Something I have found particularly helpful is Dr. Wolfson's TikTok videos. They're short, easily to digest, and give you a lot to think about. Yesterday, I was binging on, and help me with this, Dr. Wilson, um, the 10 different tests for a healthy heart. Am I wording that right? It was really, really interesting. Yeah, thank you. I mean, there's just so much uh, detail and uh, in-depth knowledge you can get from testing that obviously most medical doctors don't test for for a whole variety of reasons, but... Uh, you can really get a lot of good information from those tests. So if you aren't on TikTok, I would say it's actually worth getting an account just to follow Dr. Wolfson if you are a caregiver, a medical provider, or a heart patient. It is worth your time. It is worth getting on and pushing through all the noise and BS that's on TikTok. So Dr. Wolfson, I can't thank you enough for your generosity today. You're a very busy man. You're changing the world one heart at a time. And my heart has benefited from you today. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Boots. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a few heartbeats of your day with me today. Please be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Share with a friend who will value what we discussed Go to either Apple Podcasts and write us a review or mark those stars on Spotify. I read these and your feedback is so encouraging and it also helps others find this podcast. Also, please feel free to drop me a note at boots at theheartchamberpodcast.com. I truly want to know how you're doing and if this podcast has been a source of hope 
inspiration and healing for you. Again, I am your host, Boots Knighton, and thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday for another episode of The Heart Chamber.